do you think do you think you own the clothes that you're gonna die in mm. and if you do would you like to know what outfit it is interesting question hey welcome back to too hard too fast the podcast with strong opinions about things that we may or may not know too much about in order to broaden perspectives Today's guest, Tuesday, Thursday, you know how we do it, two parts. We have Jim Eddie. Eddie. I didn't even ask you if you wanted to be introduced. (laughs) It's all good, man. Uh, Mr. Jim Eddie is joining us for Tuesday, Thursday. Um, We're going to get to know what he's doing in his life. He's actually a fan of the podcast. I think more and more we're getting more fans on the podcast, so uh, that's, that's badass. And he's a Bruins fan. He's a Spurs fan. He's oh, a Cowboy fan. I will correct the record soon enough. Where <laughs> I see that I see that Bills Mafia behind you. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's lots of lots of sports talk we're going to get into. Yeah, as that, that scares things, me. But, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's get to it. Sit back, buckle up. Let's go. Too hard, too fast. Boom. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Too Hard, Too Fast. Welcome to Too Hard, Too Fast. Welcome back to Too Hard, Too Fast. This is Jim Eddy, and boy, I have realized a dream of a lifetime. I have been a guest on this podcast, one that I have actually listened to several times. I actually know one of the dudes pretty well. I'm starting to know the other guy, so... I'm feeling pretty good about the fact that I was able to actually be a part of this thing. So thanks, fellas. Appreciate You're it. welcome. You're just drunk. <laughs> of course. I wouldn't I wouldn't be saying that if I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast of the century. Just All right. All right. All right. First question, Warren. What's the first question? Uh, the first question is I still can't find my glasses that I usually use. Uh, how do these look? They look oh. like you stole them from your sister. All right, all, all right, cool. Oh shoot, no, there's no more glasses. <laughs> what about my Morpheus glasses? Does this? No? That looks pretty good on you. Yeah. Does it really, George? Uh, I don't well, George I'm just agrees. being nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> he's he's the guest, so he has to be nice. Yeah, I guess so. you don't have to be nice, uh, Jim. You can uh, go too hard, too uh, fast well, here. Don't don't get used to it. Don't get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right. right. No, first question. What are you drinking, uh, Drinking, Jim? What am I drinking? I'm glad that you asked. Yeah. So tonight I decided, because I am a fan of the podcast, that's not just George Blow and Smoke, <laughs> the good stuff off the high shelf. I'm going with the Glenlivet 12. A nice. wee drop to wet me whistle as I handle the questions from you laddies. <laughs> so that's what I'm uh, pouring to get started. Nice. Um, what's the percentage? Forty percent. I believe it's forty proof. Let's check the label. It's definitely a twelve-year. It's a double oak. Yep, it's forty percent. Okay. Yep. Where's it? Where's it made? Well, it's made in Scotland, and okay. where in Scotland specifically? I wonder if they tell us where the Glenlivet is, where the factory is. The factory was founded in eighteen twenty-four. Okay. Nice. And I've been to Scotland, but I've not been to visit the Glenlivet uh, Brewery. Glenlivet.com, I guess, if we wanted more information. So. 
But I, nice. I bought it. I bought it locally, and I bought it literally at the local Costco. So uh, it's on the higher end of what I usually spring for, and I save it for me special occasions, like with you, oh, lads. Nice. Well, that's <laughs> that's all. Thank you for uh, considering us special. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Well, okay. Well, cheers. Before we cheer, actually, you go ahead and taste it or give us a review on it. Yeah, explain the review, George. Well, I, I think fan, I, being, he knows being a fan of the podcast, I think I know the I know the system. So, All right. what's the criteria? I thought a little bit about this because clearly I have gone to Costco and I have purchased it. So, would I do it again? Of course, I would. I would need to have a fair amount of money with me because this is not an inexpensive bottle to procure. But I would give this, actually, because I am a fan of the older scotches. This is a young older scotch at 12 years. I would give this probably a 1.8. Ranks pretty high wow. for me. Yeah, this is up there. I would more than walk across the street. In fact, I would and I did ride my bike to Costco to buy this specifically. Wow. So, well, at this point, uh, nobody likes to show off, Jim. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> That's probably true. So I'll give it a 1.8. A 1.8, I, I, I would agree. I haven't had the 12-year uh, one. I've had the regular one before, uh -huh. and I really liked it. So, yeah. And the 14, which is about 20 bucks more, is almost worth the extra 20 bucks. It kind of depends on how generous you're feeling or how wealthy you're feeling, maybe, not generous. And... Uh, how much you really value that deep, peaty, smoky taste that you get in the 14 that you don't get as much of in the 12. So nice, nice, nice. Well, I'm going to join you in drinking a little bit of the hard stuff. I went and got myself. I've been wanting to try the, the Rocks tequila, oh, Dwayne yeah. Johnson, the yeah, Tarumana tequila, uh -huh. Hecho and Mexico. Oh. I got the Blanco one. I didn't want to go for like the Reposado because. You know, I wasn't feeling that wealthy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I've been wanting to try it. The Rock says he can sip on it. So I'm going to see if I can sip on it. Okay. I'll put this here. It's 40%. I think it, it was about over a little over 30 bucks for it. So, okay. You know. Reasonable. Oh, it doesn't kick. It doesn't. Oh, never mind. It kicks at the. It, it it's kicks a very at the aftertaste <laughs> kick. It's a good tequila, man. Um, based on other tequilas, I probably will give this a, a 1.78. Whoa. Okay. 1.78. I would buy it again if I'm feeling like. A little, you know, if I if I get an extra stimulus check, I probably would buy it again. Right. Uh, <laughs> if you get another Biden bump, you might go again. There right. you go. Yeah, <laughs> we just need that an, an extra little bump on there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I would buy it again. One point seven eight. That's my review on it. Very good. I, I think I can I can sip on it. We'll see. Maybe maybe I'll just start talking in cursive all of a sudden. <laughs> what about you, Worm? I'm embarrassed. You guys are uh, drinking the hard stuff. Uh, so I just have a beer. Well, that's okay. <laughs> all, right, all right. We don't discriminate against beer drinkers. All right. All right. All right. We'll let all you right. play with the big boys. 
<laughs> I'll go get my liquor right now. There's room in the in sandbox for all of us here. <laughs> I'll get some liquor in a little bit. But anyways, so I was trying to find uh, the founders because yeah. uh, Jim's in Michigan, so I wanted Michigan, to get a Michigan yeah. beer. Unfortunately, I couldn't find it, so I shouldn't have drank it last week, but it, it's all right. So I found a beer. I got a beer that uh, kind of... Rep- uh, that kind of uh, resembles Jim. I don't know if you guys ever heard. Oh, Voodoo Ranger. That's a Voodoo haze. Ranger. That's an American haze. Reminds right? me of you, Jim. You're a traveler. Okay. You play guitar. Okay. You're an okay. American. So there you go. Fair Close enough. enough. <laughs> Fair enough. And that's a, that's a haze. So kind of a New England style sort of. A little hazy uh, yeah. IPA. American okay. haze. Yeah, it's in uh, North Carolina. So mm-hmm. only 5%. So let's. Uh, I've never had it before, actually. We're well, not this one oh. specifically. So okay. We'll see. We'll see how that you goes. Have to tell us what you think. Yeah, it's not bad. It's pretty good. Pretty good. I gave it a. So I love the design. So Jim, I don't know if you recall, we also take to consideration how things look. Sure. So I think I think it's a really cool design. That's a nice picture. Yeah, nice design, nice graphic. Yeah, nice graphic. I, uh, the alcohol content's a little low, but it's all right. Tastes good though. Yeah, it was a fair price. Uh, I give it a one point one point six eight. Oh, nice. Okay. So we all have um, we all have beverages that are pleasing to our palates, which is important. So very nice. Yeah, Excellent. definitely. Coolest. All right, Jim. So we're gonna get into you now. So all right. Well, first, what is, what's your favorite drink, though? You have a favorite beer, favorite liquor, favorite mixed drink? Mm, yes, to all three. So let's break right. it down a little bit. Um, I do have a favorite beer, and it changed. It has changed a little bit over time. But in the moment, my favorite brew is actually made right here in Ann Arbor. So to give mm. you an idea, I, I live in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And in Michigan, we do this goofy thing with the hand to try to explain where in Michigan um, people live. So you put up your left really? hand. <laughs> this is supposed to be the state. So I live down here in the base of the thumb in southeast Michigan. Way up here is the Upper Peninsula. This is northern Michigan. This is Lake Michigan, Lake Superior up here. I live way down here near Detroit. Um, and then over here is Lake Huron and so LaCroix County where all the heavy coronavirus cases are right now. So anyway, I live, I live down here in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And so in Ann Arbor, there is a, well, there are several actual local breweries. And when I moved here, I moved to Ann Arbor from Oregon, where I had been living for just under 20 years. I consider that my spiritual home, even though I was born in New York. We can talk about all that later if you want. But I moved here in 2006 so my wife could go to school at the University of Michigan, Ann Arbor. So we came here. It was going to be temporary for her to get another master's degree. And then the idea was, at least my idea, was to go back to Oregon, which is where I wanted to continue to live. And we still owned our house back there. But it didn't work out that way. So that was 2006. So this summer will be 15 years we've been in Ann Arbor. And I had no idea that Michigan was such a great beer state. I had no idea that they were kind of this little hot pocket in the upper Midwest of microbreweries, but they are. I mean, you mentioned Founders, which is in the west side, uh, where mm. where MJ, a person you and I both worked with in the past, where she's living in Kalamazoo. They have a couple of great microbreweries there. But you think she would Ann mind Ar- that you mentioned her name or that what? we... 
What's you think that? she would mind that we leave her name in? I, you know, I'm not sure. I don't think we'll go with the last name. So we'll just keep it okay. with initials yeah. and leave it open ended, maybe. But um, the newest microbrewery and the one that I was drinking the other night when we were chatting um, is made by a company called Mothfire Brewing. They've been around only a year and a half right here in Ann Arbor. And they make a variety of different beers. But the one that's my favorite to get to the question, I guess, is they have an IPA that's double dry hopped. They don't just dry hop it. They do it twice at the end of the brewing process. And it has a pretty interesting taste. It's an IPA, and it's called Lolo. Lolo IPA, and it's double dry hopped. The ABV is average. It's like right around 7%, maybe 6.9, something like that. Um, so that's my favorite beer uh, in wow. the moment. Um, in the old days... Back when I used to drink mixed drinks or go to conferences and have to pretend like I had some taste, I would <laughs> um, have the occasional gin and tonic. And so gin and tonic for quite a while was my favorite mixed drink. But to be honest, nowadays, when I'm talking about liquor, I'm very partial to the scotch. It doesn't mm. have to be the Glenlivet, but I, I, I prefer a single malt to a blend, and I prefer a scotch to a simple whiskey. Um, but I'm not that much of a snob. I'll drink whatever's put in front of me as far as that goes. <laughs> but um, I have this whole fetish around Scotland. And, and for me, a lot of it is the music. I'm a, a musician part-time. I'm retired. I'm not really anything right now. But I, I, one of my hobbies is that I, I write songs and I record and I play music primarily on the Internet through Zoom open mics. And so I have had this fetish with an appreciation for Scotland, particularly the highlands of Scotland and the, and the uh, Shetland Islands and uh, also the Hebrides Islands to the, to the West Coast. And I've got several connections. I've been there only a couple of times, but I have several connections, people that I correspond with. I have a, a Scottish singer who's going to be covering one of my songs, actually, as part of a fundraising thing that I'm doing with her. So anyway, I, I'm, I have a fetish for Scotland right now. And whenever I'm feeling particularly close to Scotland beyond the music, I, uh, I like to break out the, 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 the scotch to further connect myself to the Highlands. So that's my answer to your question. I think if you say, I think if you say fetish three more times, worm might take off his shirt. <laughs> wow. Well, if I you thought you were that, hinting at that. So that's why if only Zoom would let me mute somebody else's picture. But uh, no, that's OK. I, I, I don't mind seeing Worm uh, take his clothes off. I think they would improve your ratings. Probably. I'm hey, good thank with you. That. Appreciate I'm that. that. I did that one time. So <laughs> I think well, Worm, you've done that multiple know. times. You just I just can only remember the ones. <laughs> I ate too many gummy ones, I guess. I don't know. So. Uh, Jim, there's so much I want to get into, but I guess uh, first let's get into, so you're in Michigan though, but where were you yeah. born though? You said New York? Yeah, I was actually born in Buffalo, in the city of Buffalo, New York, uh, a long time ago. Uh, you were raised there in, also? In, in what's come to be known affectionately as the pre-internet era. I was born in Buffalo, New York, and I grew up in the inner city of Buffalo until I was 13. And then we moved right across the city line, literally 100 yards into the adjoining suburb that's called Amherst, that is right on the other side of Main Street from the University of Buffalo. So I went, I've completed, completed my high school at Amherst High, uh, played basketball and football there, attended the University of Buffalo for two years, and played basketball for the University of Buffalo for one year as a freshman. Um, and then I finished my education also in New York, but at one of the State University of New York 
uh, sister schools in Cortland, New York, which is near Syracuse, kind of in the geographic center of New York State. Uh, but I'm originally from New York, but um, I, w- I was able to successfully flee New York uh, <laughs> after getting out of college, and I've never lived there ever since. I've lived and worked in eight different states, nine, I guess, if we count Texas. I was there for about nine let's, months. So I, I guess count that, Texas. I guess that counts. we we got to count that as well. Uh, but I was originally from Buffalo. I spent the best 20 years of my life in Portland, Oregon, though. So that's right. my spiritual home. So, of course, I got to ask, out of all the states you've lived in, which one's your favorite? And it better be Texas. No, I I hate <laughs> to disappoint, but I don't mind speaking truth to power. We have our own electrical grid. We used to be our own republic. You do. One of the you biggest have some very and... unique things that you can be justifiably proud of. And you have some of that shit you just mentioned, too. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> by, by far, yeah, we got the Cowboys, we got the Spurs, we got we got the Dallas Stars. Well, you've, we've, we could talk a little bit about the Spurs, but if we want to talk Cowboys, we're going to have to get real. But yeah. anyway, anyway, back to your question. Um, Port, Oregon as a state and Portland is clearly the best place that I've ever lived. And that's kind of where I feel my heart is now. For example, I got married up at Timberline Lodge up at Mount Hood. So I have a visual aid for this. It's one of my shirts here. Figure out which one it is. I was actually married to my current wife. Um, sometimes I call her, when I know she's not listening, my, my trophy wife, as opposed, <laughs> as opposed to my starter wife, okay? Um, but at any rate, I've got, the, I've got the Portland shirt, right? But this is the Mount Hood shirt from Timberline Lodge. So this is the symbol for Timberline. It's an American Indian symbol. There's the crossed arrows. The MH is for Mount Hood. There's a fir tree, which is a Douglas fir, and that's 1937. That's the year that Franklin Delano Roosevelt um, blessed at the opening ceremony, the opening of Timberline Lodge, and there's Mount Hood down there. And then the little logo on the back, I'll put it up there so you can see it maybe, um, is... Timberline Lodge. Okay. And Timberline Lodge, if you remember or if you saw the movie The Shining, okay, mm-hmm. the Jack Nicholson movie, yeah. the Stanley Kubrick film, the outdoor scenes, the winter outdoor scenes as they escape the hotel, that's the all it's, it's all at Timberline Lodge. The inside scenes was filmed at a different, similar, but a different hotel, motel, I guess it's a hotel, in Colorado. But Mount Hood is where all the cool action scenes were filmed outside. So I got married there in 2000. And when I die, assuming that'll be any day now, um, I'm going to have. <laughs> wait, wait, you have got the my, vaccine, so you should be okay. Yeah, you, you never know. I, I'm going to have my ashes scattered up, up on Mount Hood. I've, um, I've done the 40-mile hike around Mount Hood. I've done a lot of adventures. I've done a lot of kayaking up around Mount Hood. So. Uh, for me, Oregon, be, primarily because of the outdoor life, but also Portland is just such a neat, quirky city. For those two reasons, that's my, my favorite place. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. And and I'm a huge Portland Trailblazer fan. Um, and, you know, Spurs, there have been some classic contests between the Blazers and the Spurs yep. over the years uh, in several different eras of basketball. But I, I wonder, as a diehard Spurs guy, and I wonder, George, are you a Spurs guy? Do you follow basketball at all? Uh, I'm not a big much into. Uh, I'm not a big fan of basketball. I'll watch it. 
I'll go to the games, but I can do with or without it. Well, here's a, here's a trivia question. So yeah. this is a logo from a basketball team that still exists in the NBA. Oh, it's I was going to say the Seattle Song, uh, the Super Not Sonics. The Sonics. <laughs> no, it is a relocated franchise, so you're getting warm. But this is a bee with a feather in it. And this is from the Buffalo Braves, 1970 mm. inaugural year. They came into the league the same year that the Cleveland Cavaliers came into the league, Dang, 1970. Nice. Same year that the Buffalo Sabres came into the NHL, 1970. Mm. But they were, <laughs> they were purchased by John Y. Brown, who was uh, – then and now, an, an asshole millionaire from Kentucky who claimed <laughs> who claimed that he was going to keep the team in Buffalo. Within six months, he moved it out of Buffalo, and he moved it to San Diego, and they became the San Diego Clippers, and then they moved to L.A., and they are the Los Angeles Clippers. So when you see the Los Angeles Clippers, you're really seeing the original Buffalo Braves. Wow. There I didn't know that. There you go. And I'm well, not a Clippers fan, but they are tearing up the West right now. If it would yeah, shock, they are. Would and uh, I know people are going to hate me for this because uh, I know a lot of people, especially Spurs fans, they hate Kawhi Leonard. I'm still a Kawhi Leonard fan. so It's hard to hate on Kawhi. <laughs> so I kind of like the Clippers only because of Kawhi. So. Well, Kawhi moved on, and he wins another championship right I away. I know. <laughs> Come on now. I'm happy for him. Um, so I kind of, I'm, when you brought up, when you brought up, uh, the fact that when you die and I know this is going to get a little dark, sure, but it kind of like triggered, I, I, I was earlier this week, I posed this question to my wife. Mm -hmm. I said, do you think, do you think you own the clothes that you're going to die in? Hmm. And if you do, would you like to know what outfit it is? Interesting question. And what did what did she say? She said, "Fuck George, shut the fuck up and quit drinking." <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, I thought yeah. you were asking Jim that. I'm all, dude, this is a fucked up question. No, yeah, that's well, I, am, well, I am gonna ask Jim oh, that. Oh, gonna ask, oh, ask that. that. I asked, well, asked Jim that. Yeah. No, she did answer. She said, "I don't know. I don't have a lot of clothes anyway, so." Yeah. Probably. Well, yeah. No, I and I, I I feel similarly in that I will when I die, assuming that it's through a tragic accident, um, it will probably be in some kind of outdoor athletic endeavor. So I'm imagining it, I'll be wearing my cross country skis and my the outfit that I wear when I when I'm outside cross country skiing. And I'll probably take a wrong term and go off the side of a fucking mountain or something. So yeah, I probably, I probably do own the clothes that I will die in. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> well, what do you think? You think you have the clothes right now, or you're still gonna? Because eventually you're gonna buy those clothes that you're gonna die in. Well, I hope true. I die think naked. I hope I die naked. The way I can, the way I was born. <laughs> I hope that's the way I die. Naked in the funeral and stuff. I just. Same in a casket. I just want to be naked while everyone conceives me, you know. And I don't want anyone to mourn. I want my funeral to be a big party. All right. I want everyone to be drinking, and I'm gonna provide the drinks. Uh, hopefully by then uh, they could download consciousness, so I'll be there interacting with people. You know what I mean? So, you, should like make, 
you should make your coffin a cooler. So like we just when we go up to you to give you like the final goodbye, we grab ourselves a drink. You should make it. You should make it like this. You guys ever seen this thing called the fridge? It's It's a thing that you put in the freezer. It's got a little pocket of some kind of gel inside. So you put this in the freezer and get it nice and cold, frozen, obviously. And then you take a warm beer and you stick it in the can and it acts like a mini fridge and it cool it co- makes your beer really cold really fast that so to your awesome. point george and this is a great idea you could make, probably make some money in this idea worm you got to order a casket that's designed with this technology so that as people pass by to view your naked body the way you want they can yeah. stick their drinks in there and the, and if they're room temperature going in yeah. they'll be ice cold in a matter of moments and they'll be able to have that that New Orleans jazz party that you want for yeah. your funeral. That'll yeah, be awesome. That sounds, that sounds legit. You know what, Jim? I think you just gave me another idea too. Yeah. If we order those and put the too hard, too fast logo on it. Yeah, yeah. We can make some money. Absolutely. I've never even heard of that. Have you heard of that mini fridge, George? No. It's called uh, the fridge. I guess we're not advanced enough here in the south, huh, Jim? Drink cool. We're still behind. We're still using koozies. <laughs> uh, nothing wrong with a koozie. This is like an ultra-charged koozie. But, um, yeah, same idea. Man. Just makes it colder. But I'll tell you this. I'll tell you what Jen really said. She said, um, whatever clothes you're wearing on the outside, just hope you have clean and untorn underwear. And my yeah. thing was, like, what does it matter at that point? At that right. point, I'm I'm – I'm gone. So they can be making, but they're going to make fun of you. It's like, they can make fun of me all I want. You're dead. I'm not right. here anymore. It doesn't right. matter. It doesn't affect me anymore. Exactly. Yeah, that uh, goes way back, that notion of you know, when you die, make sure you at least have clean underwear. It's like, who gives a shit? I'm dead. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what difference does it possibly make? You might. It was like a, if it was like a major accident, I'd probably poop myself. So right, exactly. <laughs> what does it matter at that point? <laughs> <laughs> all right let's oh, go back to the you know what jim you're still young so it's all right so i want to oh, sure. hear about your basketball days when you played uh when you played basketball in college yeah i played through high school um i played on a very good team in the sense that it was a very successful high school team we had the like the winningest coach in new york state history that kind of thing Damn. so i didn't play a lot in high school uh, even as a senior, we had better sophomores than seniors that year. Wow. So I, did, I played, but I didn't play. I didn't get a lot of minutes. I, I lettered, but I didn't get a lot of minutes. So nobody thought that, at least nobody who I played high school ball with, including my coach, thought I had any chance of playing college ball. So I, I went on as a walk-on at the University of Buffalo, and I literally just kind of clawed my way onto the team. Um, I actually started more college games than I did high school games. Wow. Um, but, and this was a long time ago. This was in the mid-1970s. And the University of Buffalo was Division One, but they weren't, di- they weren't Division One. I mean, they were Division One then, and they're still Division One. But they, now they play in the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, with schools like mm-hmm. Toledo, University of Ohio, places like that. Where mm-hmm. back then they didn't. They played mostly the small colleges around Buffalo. They played Canisius and Niagara and St. Bonaventure, and they would play Siena and some of the schools in the New York City area. Um, but anyway, I played, I played basketball, but I, I, I was limited because I tore up my knee, uh, not, not during my first year, but my second year before I could play 
I uh, tore my left knee, but tore my meniscus. Oh, and, and this one that too. This was in the era before arthroscopic surgery was the, uh, the, the primary way that you repaired that kind of stuff. I mean, high-end athletes were just starting to get arthroscopic procedures in the 70s. Bums like me were just getting standard open knee surgery. So I have like a six-inch scar on my left knee, and I had what's called a bucket handle tear where the cartilage tear is so bad that it wedges into the joint and you can't straighten your leg. It's like a bucket handle is keeping the bones from extending. So I had no choice. It wasn't like, ah, gee, get surgery someday. No, if if you want to walk again, dude, you're going to get this thing taken care of. So I had surgery on the knee, and then I had a second one on that same knee, uh, kind of a cleanup thing many years later. And in between, I tore the cartilage in my right knee. But anyway, I, I, all of that was through all of my subsequent basketball injuries were recreational. I only played the one year of college hoops. I was a point guard. I was then and now. I mean, I'm just a shade under six feet tall, but I've always been the smallest guy. And I've always been the most aggressive guy. <laughs> I, I'm like the Brad Marchand. People loved it when I was on their team, but people fucking hated playing against me. You know, just and I don't blame them. I would not want to uh, dirty elbows into the into no, the crease. Well, yeah, no, that that's the thing. I mean, I didn't throw. I threw elbows, but not dirty elbows. You know, and there is a difference. I mean, you can box out, and if somebody leans against you, you can kind of go, "Oh, gee, excuse me," or you can go, "Fuck no, this is my spot," and that's that's what I would do. And that's not dirty, but that is aggressive. Okay, and so I was an aggressive player, and I, I mean, and I'm not saying it was a smart way to be. A lot of my injuries, not just my knees, but my other injuries in basketball, were just doing stupid shit. I mean, I'm the kind of guy that would dive into the stands mm. to save a ball in and wind up, you know, br- br- breaking a bone in my arm, uh. that kind of thing. It's like, to what end? Well, I just didn't have any other way to play. I didn't have enough talent to get by and just kind of cruise up and down the court. I had to dive for every loose ball. Box out everybody who's taller than me, you know, aggressively knock people over and hope that they called the block instead of the charge, you know, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Because I didn't have the ability. I was not a great athlete. I was just a decent athlete who was hyper aggressive. So you had heart. You had heart. That's what you had. What's that? You had heart. Anyway. Yeah. Well, I had to go too hard, too fast, basically. There you go. That's what we're all about. <laughs> some, would say, some would say the Milan Lucic of a. Uh... Yeah, there you go. That would be a proper analogy, probably. <laughs> and if you don't, guys, if you guys don't get those references, watch more hockey. Watch more <laughs> hockey. Which is hey, it. You know what we haven't done? We haven't done a cheers. Let's. Uh, we haven't let's done a cheers. That. Hey, cheers. hey, to your college career, Jim. To going too hard, too fast in your college basketball. Year. I'll drink to that. All right. Cheers. So, Jim, talking. Uh, so, staying in the subject of basketball, believe it or not. Yeah. That's how that no 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 I'm not gonna get into but I'm just gonna get into how George and I met. Oh no, okay. I wanted to get into yeah. that too. I was gonna say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So since, since uh, we're talking dirty. Yes, yeah, so and we're talking dirty. <laughs> I still disagree, <laughs> but it's a, so Jim. So I was pledging for a fraternity, right? Mm-hmm. So George was already in this fraternity. I was pledging. So I was playing basketball with all the brothers. And uh, uh I hadn't met George or just I knew of him maybe, but that's about it. So we're playing basketball. Supposedly, it's because he sucks at basketball, right? So he he thinks I tripped him intentionally, okay. and so I I tripped him, and uh, I didn't. <laughs> I just remember turning around and people are holding him back. I'm like, what the hell's going on? He's all, he wants to kick your ass because you tripped him. 
Because it because this was the thing. Just how you can say, you know, I'm boxing you out, or like, oh, get the fuck. Yeah, uh, yeah. Here, I'm the yes. I suck at basketball. That's why it's not my sport. But <laughs> I finally grabbed the ball. It was an open, open uh, door all the way down. It's like pretty much like just walk it on in. But so I grabbed the ball and I I dribble like this. <laughs> so I'm running as fast as I can, and all I feel is, bam! Somebody just uh, uh karate kids me and flips the leg. Hey Jim, I had to be aggressive too. I was plunging. I, so. I got. I had to impress these people. Yeah, clear, clear path, follow all the way. Yeah. 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 Anyway, George, what happened then? You scraped yeah, your ankle. I fell. I I roll like a couple of times. I got all scratched up, and I said, "You know what? This guy better be gone before I get on my feet." <laughs> <laughs> and was this a an indoor game or an outdoor game? Outdoor. That was outdoor. Like, oh, yeah, maybe even midnight. Like yeah, a, falling on your face on the outdoor court that hurts. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was a it was a crappy court. Like they were like yeah. it was gravel. Loose rocks and everything. Like I think there was probably like glass. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's so. the kind of court you want to get friends and out. roommates and all that, and now a, a podcast apparently. So wow. So somehow the relationship was able to sustain despite that ignomus beginning. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes the best is the friends. They become their first enemies. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Each podcast, he still sweeps the leg and just try to. Tries to knock me down. <laughs> I still call him a bitch from time to time. So it's like... <laughs> Terms of endearment, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. No, not at all. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Anyways, Jim. Um, so after college, what'd you do? So as far as I'm aware, I'm gonna let the people know you used to be my boss. You oh, were temporarily in West Texas. That secret out. That's as true. A, as I don't. I, I don't think. I don't think of myself as your boss, but I guess technically that's what I was for a few uh, months. Then I wish I would have called in a lot more. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, and, and George doesn't believe me, and a lot of people don't believe me, but I felt that the whole department relied on me a lot. So I felt like I had to be there. Was I exaggerating, or did you see that too? No, if, if you weren't there, man, I would have gotten back on that plane like the first <laughs> week. I mean, that place was such a shambles. Uh, I agree with you. I think that um, you held that place together. So I will, I will grant you that. Uh, thank but in you. See, George? <laughs> in terms of your question, I'll, I'll go with the travel log here. Um, yeah. When I was done, when I finally got out of New York after getting my degree and my knee had healed, but I had a degree in physical education, my bachelor's. And I decided that I wanted to be, a, or at least try being a, a phys ed teacher. But I also wanted to get the hell out of New York. I was just so sick and tired of it. We could talk about why if you want, but it's just not a place that I wanted to live anymore. And so I actually went out west with a car and a little bit of money, but not much, and an opportunity to possibly, not even an actual job, but the possibility of working with my cousins out near the north rim of the Grand Canyon in northern Arizona. So Mm -hmm. I literally went with my brother who was along for the ride uh, as part of the experiment, although he only lasted about a week or two and he got homesick and left. But I went out there to Arizona and things worked out in such a way that I wound up working for my cousins and my aunt and uncle because they wound up buying a lodge, about a 20-room lodge with a gas station and a restaurant. 
that was literally 11 miles from Lee's Ferry. Lee's Ferry is where the river trips start for the people who take commercial trips down the Colorado River on the big rafts. Okay, um, And so the most of the money was made during the tourist season. So you made all your money in the summer, and it was actually pretty cold. This is way north of Flagstaff. It's way up by southern Utah. And I, I helped them establish this place called Cliff Dwellers Lodge. And I literally worked for room and board, no salary because it was a startup at that point. And I lived and worked out in Arizona uh, for them uh, for about a year. And then my girlfriend at the time came out to work there for one summer. And then we went all the way down south to Sierra Vista, Arizona. That's way south of Tucson near, oh, it's, it's right outside of Huachuca City, which is a military base near yeah. Sierra Vista and very close to Nogales uh, in terms of a border crossing. And, uh, and, and literally 19 miles from Tombstone, Arizona, where they had, you know, the great shootouts and so forth at Tombstone. <laughs> Crazy stuff. But anyway, I lived and, lived and worked out there, but I was wanting to teach originally physical education. And, and it turned out that the state I was trying to get established in Arizona, they didn't require phys- physical education in their curriculum. And so as in many school boards, if they don't require it, they don't, they don't even have it. So they, there wasn't really a market. There was a market for coaches because they were crazy about football and other sports down there. And I coached football in high school, so I could, I could do that, but it was hard to find a job. I did get a couple of offers on a couple of the native American reservations, but it didn't work out for what I really wanted to do. So through that whole experiment out living in Arizona, kind of living those dreams, I decided to go back to graduate school. And I actually went to graduate school in 1980, uh, pulled some strings and worked with a friend who uh, helped set me up at Bowling Green State University, which is in Ohio. And it's literally about 70 miles from Ann Arbor. So it's this part of the country, actually, that I'm in now where I went to grad school. So I went to grad school, graduated in one year. It's a, now a two-year wow. program, but graduated in one year. And then I worked at a variety of places in housing and student activities. And then I fell into financial aid in the mid-1980s when Ronald Reagan was president. And Dang. I've been doing doing financial aid ever since. So. Wait, did you say did you say what you went to grad school for? I, I I didn't say what I went to school for. It was for college student personnel administration, essentially higher education. Yeah. Mm, okay. so is that equivalent to like educational leadership today, what they call it, I guess? Um, there's a lot of different names for it. It's still called college student personnel at Bowling oh, Green. Really? It's called oh. higher ed administration at a lot of places like at Eastern Michigan. Uh, student affairs uh, doctoral program here at University of Michigan, but yeah, it, it's 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 about working with college students and facilitating their development. Yeah, nice. So, so I'm that's still what stuck I, on. Um, I think this Terramana is hitting because I'm still stuck on uh, Tombstone. And I was thinking of Wyatt Earp for a little bit. Yeah, Tombstone's <laughs> a crazy place. I mean, it's probably different now. I don't but, think Worm knows who Wyatt Earp is. Worm, do you know who Wyatt Earp? Why what? Wyatt Earp. Do you know who Wyatt Earp was? Oh, hey, George, uh, stay a little bit further back from your mic. Wyatt and Earp. Oh, uh, yeah, he's a hockey player. <laughs> no? No. 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 <laughs> it's, uh, you've never seen at least the movie Wyatt Earp or Tombstone. 
Or you ever heard of the shootout at the OK Corral? I've ever heard of it, but I don't really know much about it. Yeah, it's a it's a little a little part of American West history, but the OK Corral literally is in Tombstone, and they probably do reenactments of it. But Wyatt Earp was a famous sheriff who was involved in that shootout uh, in Tombstone, Arizona, and it's a it's a funky little place, uh, almost a very small place. And when I was there, almost everybody was drunk all the time oh. in tombstone i need to move i need to move there then Shoot. literally to do i think most people were day drinkers in the little bars there oh. and there and it was so it was hotter than hell it was like kind of like the heat that you guys have oh yeah your part of the country in the summer i'm used to it I yeah you'd know. be used to you it you know what i'm gonna move over there you should you, you'd be perfect in tombstone <laughs> i think Worm. absolutely they would, to shoot what are you trying to say, Jim? <laughs> they would welcome you with open arms. If you can work remotely, let's face it, you might want to think yeah. about Tombstone. Yeah, maybe. Shoot, day drinking? Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> is there a lot of history there about, about Wyatt Earp and all that? I bet you there is now. When I was there, which was, uh, again, in 1980, 79, 80, it hadn't yet um, – had many visitors so there wasn't like a visitor center you could still go to the okay corral and walk around and look at it it wasn't all fenced off i bet you it's different now but when i was there it was still kind of the wild west it was pretty cool pretty cool wow and it was a beautiful desert it's the it's the high desert down there um, the sonoran desert uh south of tucson it's just beautiful beautiful country because i know that you guys like the desert and you like the southwest landscape and it's if you like well, that why because we're brown <laughs> right. that's the, that's got to be the only reason <laughs> we're dark enough for it yeah no, i'm messing i'm messing around um have fond memories of the day drinkers of uh, tombstone yeah it's good stuff so you would join them you know, I, I actually, I got to be honest, on the trips I went down there, I wasn't in a drinking mood. I was just wanting to um, see the sights, and then it was a 20-mile dirt road to get back to Sierra Vista the way I went. And so I was just lucky my car made it both ways, actually. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Nice. So anyway, that, that's part of the travel log, and I've worked a bunch of different states since then. But um, So you've been in higher education for... Well, you said since Reagan, so what's that, 20, 30 years? Well, that's more than that. It's a long – 40 years. LFW, long freaking time. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. I started in higher ed as a student uh, employer. I was a resident assistant in the residence halls in the dormitories. Mm -hmm. That was in 1977. Um, but I've been working full-time. I started working full-time in higher ed in 1981, and I retired in – 2019 so whatever that is 38 years maybe something mm -hmm. like that and i'm still doing it I'm, I'm, I'm retired in name only i still do some consulting as you know uh where that took me down to texas yep. but i also i'm doing some consulting right now working half time here in ann arbor in higher ed so as much as i can as much as i'm glad i don't have to do a full time anymore i still kind of keep my my fingers in it nice so, so far, I have nine years working in higher education, believe it or not. Really? Two different universities, one community college. So right now, of course, at a university. Right. I've had a couple different positions. So I have a very important question to ask you. Yeah. Should I get a PhD or is it not worth it? It, it depends. Do you want to make money or no? I just, well, I don't think 
I don't I don't know if it's financially worth getting a PhD. Um, right. But but do you think move getting a PhD moving up would make? Well, yeah, I, I guess all right. Yeah, more opportunity. Sure. You can make more money. I guess. Yeah. Well, I'll give you my opinion about it because it's a great it's a great question, and the answer is going to be different for each person depending upon what they want out of it. Uh, it used but to I, be- oh, so keep in mind, I don't want to go necessarily into the faculty side. I kind of want to stay on the administrative side. Right. Well, that's a key. That's an important distinction, because if you had some illusion of going the faculty way mm-hmm. in hopes of maybe becoming tenured and, and making a contribution to a, a teaching staff, those days are gone mm-hmm. and they are not coming back. I'm not saying that no one will ever get a tenure track job again, but it's just not. Yeah, they keep going part time <laughs> because the it's land, cheaper. It's cheaper the landscape for or, a bunch of adjuncts. It's cheaper for whether right. you can Obviously, right. So if you want to be online, an, it's even yep. more convenient to, to sure. go adjunct. If you want to yeah. be an adjunct or something, that's fine. But if you want to go into administration, and if you see yourself in educational leadership or a provost or a vice president or working in development or maybe working in a higher level administrative position that requires a doctorate, then yeah, you should definitely get the doctorate because despite the short-term pain of the time and the money, it will pay off dramatically in the long run. But if you put all of your uh, eggs in the teaching basket and hope for a payoff there, I'm afraid your your plan would be flawed in my view. So Mm. if you want administrative leadership, if that's kind of where you're thinking about going, then yeah, I think you should do it. And, and not okay. doesn't have to be immediate, but but sooner rather than later. Okay. Now another important question. Yeah. I do decide. All right, let me do it. Does it even matter what you get your PhD in? Because a lot of times I see VPs, they have a PhD in music, biology. Yeah. You, you know, you would think higher education when you well community colleges, it's a little different. Right. I guess you do see people uh, going to higher positions with ed leadership. Well, here in Texas, they call it ed leadership, right? Yeah, ed leadership. I guess higher yeah. education or what. Uh, but at the university level, it doesn't really matter. It just seems like, well, I mean, they, it's diverse, I guess, yeah. in terms of the subject. So. I hear you. Uh, and it's hard to predict the future because just like work in general is changing and some of it's going to permanently change because of the pandemic and people working remotely and that kind of thing, higher ed is changing dramatically also. And it's unclear that the leadership positions 15, 20, 10, 15 years from now are going to look like they do now. I'm not sure mm. that they will. But I think that it does sort of matter what your PhD is in. The people who don't have a related PhD, what they probably are bringing to those jobs, unless you're just talking about an incompetent organization that will hire anybody, okay, what they're bringing to it is relevant experience. Which they exist. Yeah, they, they definitely. Uh, Jim has worked at one. I'm, there's I'm not gonna mention lots names. of them out there. Good point, George. There's a lot of them out there. Um, but if you have decent experience, then you can have your PhD in something rather esoteric, and it won't matter. You would have met the PhD required thing. But I think more commonly, if 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 organizations are trying to effectively do more with less and all the other bullshit slogans that they throw out there, and they're looking for their leaders to squeeze more productivity out of a increasingly demoralized support staff, then I think it's going to be useful to have a PhD and maybe some PhD research in mm-hmm. something that's somewhat related to your job. Because I think the, the days are rapidly ending where you might have a PhD in archaeology or something, but hey, we want you to be our dean of students kind of thing. Hey, 2H2Fers, we're going to take a pause here with Jim Eddy. 
Jim Eddie is going to sing a song for us on Thursday. Hell yeah. We're going to continue talking a little bit more about Jim Eddie's travels around the world and his singing and his songwriting uh, experience, which is pretty cool. I didn't even, hey, when I met you before this podcast, didn't even think this is where we were going to take it. So I appreciate. I it. knew, I knew where yeah. we're going. <laughs> so nice. we're going up the mountain. Come back on Thursday with Jim Eddie. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Worm, what are you gonna say? Uh, Oregon sucks. Come live yeah. in Texas. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Jim Eddie disagrees, but it's hard. Jim Eddie disagrees. <laughs> Jim Eddie's a diehard Oregonian in his heart. <laughs> and with that said, ladies and gentlemen, two H two Remember, dare to be you, dare to be weird. Bye.